All right, what's going on, everybody? This is the Other Life Podcast. I'm Justin Murphy. I want to remind you that we have some cool events coming up. I should probably start with that, get it out of the way. First and foremost, we have a meetup happening tomorrow night, Saturday, April 9th. That's going to be in East Austin. Anyone can come out if you're in the Austin area. Just go to otherlife.co and you'll find you know the link to RSVP. That was in the last newsletter for this week. And I'm also doing a totally open little info session for anyone who's interested in our Indie Thinkers Accelerator that we run periodically. So this is our little boot camp slash course slash program. It's really just a kind of group, a six-week group experience, a group project, if you will, where we all together just really focus on our writing, trying to really get way more done than we would otherwise. And I provide some tips and tricks along the way. You could call it a course. It is a course, but... I'm not super pumped on the concept of the course and the word course because I think it just has a lot of baggage and really it's just a, it's a six-week intensive group thing that we do. That's fun for all of us. It's motivating, makes us all work harder, get more done, and we all share knowledge. And yeah, I have a kind of curriculum or I teach you everything I know, everything I've learned over the years about how to build an independent intellectual life on the internet. But I don't really think of myself as a guru or having some kind of like really amazing system. I know some things and I'll share them with you, but it's really more of a intensive social kind of group motivational kind of project just to force ourselves to write a ton. And that'll be starting in a couple of weeks. So yeah, just we'll be doing an info session on April 13th. So if you want to just RSVP, just go to otherlife.co and, and RSVP from the last newsletter. The other bit of news to share really that is most exciting to me is that we, the Other Life Podcast Studio is now up and running. It's legit. We've filmed two interviews in the bag already, and I'm super pumped on it. One Monday, we'll have an interview with Riva Tez coming out. So look out for that. It was really good. And then after that, the live ones will start. Riva wasn't able to come to the studio for that. We have James Polos in the studio. And then we have my buddy, Charlie Smith, who's a uh, founder of a company called Nifty Island. It's got some really spicy takes on Web3 gaming. Uh, that's just the beginning. I'm going to be having all the badass people I know in Austin come through the studio and then, you know, much more from that. So that's about it for housekeeping this week. And yeah, I, a few topics I want to talk about. I recently wrote just a few days ago, I published this essay called The Improvement Illusion. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because now that we're doing these accelerators all about kind of internet, there's certain things that people uh, seem to think erroneously or questions that people ask over and over. And it's really inspired me to start putting some things down on paper in terms of what I've observed when it comes to internet writing and what matters and what doesn't matter and what are the most useful ways to think about the challenges of internet writing. So I have a little short essay I want to share with you today. I'll, sh I'll share with you the, the TLDR. We'll talk about what I call the improvement illusion. And then I also want to talk about the New York Review of Books. These old school literary traditional publishing world fixtures like the New York Review of Books are plummeting. They're dying. They're actually literally dying. And what I mean by that is the readers are really old, like the readers are about to die. I recently came across some stats on the readership of the New York Review of Books, and it was really remarkable. And then finally, there's some interesting, weird things going on with Urbit. There's this octopus thing. I have no idea what it is. Doing NFTs on Urbit, maybe using like the OpenAI art generator or something. I'm gonna do a screen share and I'm gonna try to figure it out live. This is the kind of weird, cool shit that people 
concoct on Urbit. So I figured I will do it live and we'll see if I can figure it out. We'll see what's going on with all that. Jack Wicker says, mentioned the improvement illusion concept in conversations with some whales in Miami over the past couple of days. Nice, Jack. Nice. Thanks for spreading the good word. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Jack says that the whales uh, were generally favorably receiving my, my, my concept there. Okay, good to know. OG Rose, what's up going? What's up, man? He says, I enjoyed the other life cohort a lot and suggested highly. Oh, good. There you go. A little shout out for the indie thinkers. All right. So without further, oh, actually one more thing. I have a few job openings for anyone who's interested. One is there is a part-time job in a crypto office in Austin that a buddy of mine is looking to hire for. So this is just, it's a part-time thing. He wants to hire someone, probably like a recent college grad would be the right fit, paying somewhere between 20 and $25 an hour, but just for two, two days a week, really. It could change, maybe it could grow perhaps in, over time, but uh, check that out. If you want to just shoot me a message, just go to my newsletter, subscribe, and then hit reply to the first email. And that's, by the way, in the same office space as my podcast studio. So if you took this job, you would be, I'd be seeing you. Yeah, let me know if you want a part-time job in a crypto business office, really cool dudes, can't recommend them enough. It would basically be like an, a paid internship. You would learn a lot and get like a really good network out of it if you're interested in that kind of stuff. So hit me up if you want to learn more about that. And then I also recently, I know someone who's an editor at a big New York publishing company and she's looking to hire an editorial assistant. She, you'd be doing editorial work and administrative work around nonfiction book publishing. She likes weird people who did not go to the Ivy League and who don't live in New York. So I guess that means it's remote. And uh, especially internet savvy Zoomers are welcome, especially. So yeah, that's a salaried gig with at 45,000 a year with benefits. So again, just go to my newsletter, hit reply to one of my emails and uh, let me know if you'd like to you know, learn more about that. I'll give you a recommendation. All right, that's it for the housekeeping and the news and events. I wanna start by talking about the New York Review of Books. I just could not believe what I saw when I came across this. Oh, and by the way, someone said, my hair's looking good. Thank you. Actually, I want to pause and talk about this real quick. For If you're just listening on the podcast and you're not on YouTube, I've started just brushing my hair back, combing it back, like slicking it back. And I am ridiculously pleased with this. This is the single best epiphany I've had in years, literally years, when it comes to personal style and just how to comport myself, how to groom myself and how to style myself. Because look, the fact is, as you age, as a man, generally a lot of us are, your hair gets thinner. It's a common thing. Even if you're not balding per se or going bald exactly, your hair will get thinner. And some of the hairstyles that were supernatural for you as a young man, that maybe you wore your entire life, at a certain point in your life, they might just not look good anymore. And you might have to think about that. And honestly, I never really even thought about it. I knew that as my hair was getting thinner, the kind of young man style, this push it forward, let it swoop over the eye kind of style that I had my entire life. Not even purposely, that was just naturally how it fell and that's how it looked good. And that's like a natural, like young man's haircut or whatever. It never even occurred to me that probably a few years ago, I should have reconsidered different types of styles because as it as your hair thins, the young man cuts might just not look best. And over the past few years, I honestly never even thought about it. It's so simple that just, combing your hair straight back is a totally based and trad, like normal, dignified, middle-aged man look. And actually, I'm really pleased with it. It's not only do I think it's better than how I was styling my hair over the past few years, I think it's, I think it's, I positively love it. I really like it. I really like it. It's the first time I've actually really liked 
my hair in in the past couple of years, really. Like the past couple of years, ever since it started like really thinning, it's just been this like source of annoyance and vague, very vague, low level self-hatred. Not that I care that much, but to the degree I ever cared or felt anything about it, it was like vague self-hatred and annoyance. And now I'm like, okay, this is, I feel like like a badass dad out of a 1950s movie or something like that. Or like someone like, uh, I don't know, like Jack Nicholson or like Charles Bukowski or something like that. This is my new look. I'm slicking it back. This is how I roll and I'm I'm pumped on it. So if you're out there and you're a middle-aged man or you're a young man transitioning into middle-aged man, highly recommend it. Consider changing your hairstyle. It might not even occur to you that this is something you have to think critically and and conscientiously about, but you do. And if you do, you might just uh, be very happy with it. All right, enough about that. My little aside on hairstyle. All right, the New York Review of Books. That's a prestigious, well-known, influential literary review that covers not just new books coming out, but also has editorial on general topics of interest as well. Did you know, (laughs) guess, I want you to guess before I show you the graph or the table, I want you to guess, what do you think is the average age of the New York Review of Books subscriber base of their audience? Now, look, you probably would guess, yeah, it's on the older side. We know there's a kind of generational divide. Probably we can guess without looking at the data that not a lot of Zoomers are subscribing to the New York Review of Books. Okay, fair enough. You might already know that, like I already knew that. But boy, I did not even know how bad it is. So um, guess in your mind what the average age, in my mind, I would have guessed probably maybe 45 or 50. Like that's old, that's old. That's it. That would be a clear generational bias on the older side. The average age of the New York Review of Books subscribers is 68 years old, 68 years old. Can you remember the last time you talked to someone who's 70 years old? This is not just old people. This is like people close to dying. These people are on their way out of life. With all due respect, I'm not speaking lightly or, or glibly at all of death or the elderly. I'm just saying, these. if you've talked to a 70-year-old recently, that's like really old. These are people who are mostly checking out of society, checking out of life. And man, oh man, I just could not believe that. It's also 75% male. And it very highly educated, which is not too surprising, right? None of that surprises me. 80% hold a postgraduate degree. It's also really rich, like maybe richer than you might think. The average household income is $239,000 a year. And the average household net worth is $1 million, $1.2 million. To me, the really striking number is, this is from my newsletter. I'm sharing the screen now. If you just go to otherlife.co, you can look at this. The one that really strikes me is just the age. I cannot believe how old that is. Yeah, and that's coming from me, someone who's already, I've been writing about this and and speaking about this for past couple of years now, how these kind of old centers of, of intellectual influence are dying. But man, even I underestimated it, 68 years old. Basically, the point I make in the newsletter is that if your idea of making it, quote unquote, making it is to see your book reviewed in the New York Review of Books, you better find a new dream. You need to update your mental model because- this is, this is really important because there are a lot of people out there who really do um, aspire to, this is like how they think about their aspirations. This is how they think about their ambitions, especially writers. They think the apex is to get your book published at a good New York press and then to break into these you know, prestigious centers of, of influence like the New York Review of Books. 
And it's just, there's, you have about 16 years until all of that is literally over. And because you know what happens in 16 years? 16 years is the date that most current 68 year olds will die. <laughs> okay. Again, I, I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to be glib, but I actually looked at an actuarial table and the average age of death people who are for men who are currently 68 is about 16 years. So in 16 years, most of the people who read the New York Review of Books, is, they're going to be dead. Okay. Yeah. No disrespect to the New York Review of Books. They've published a lot of great stuff. They're rightfully a very respected and historically prestigious source of intellectual judgment and influence. It's just, I just got to keep telling you all and keep reminding you all that this world is over, like imminently. And if you think the creator economy and Web3, if you think these types of things are interesting and maybe promising right now, just wait to see what the world looks like in 16 years when these boomers, these literal boomers really start to die. And the clientele for these traditional paper belt centers of influence literally die. Okay. Yeah. There, there's going to be a massive transfer of wealth and influence and power from places like the New York Review of Books and these paper belt centers to pseudonymous Zoomer accelerationists on the internet. So it's, it's going to be credentialed boomer libs in places like New York City. Their money is going to flow to crazy young people hiding mostly behind pseudonymous avatars on Urbit or what have you through the massive technological innovations that we're going to see more and more of in the world that is broadly called crypto or Web3. So that's how I would think about that. And I think it's it's just really remarkable. So you can learn more about that at otherlife.co if you just look at that lesson, newsletter that I published. Okay. The next thing that I want to talk to you about is this idea that I wrote an essay about recently, just a few days ago called The Improvement Illusion. And the TLDR here is that if you don't remember any of the other ideas I'm about to develop or explain, the key takeaway here is that I want you to listen and I want you to listen closely and I want you to remember this, okay? Waiting to write down your ideas is not going to somehow make them better. That's the basic idea. So many people, we tell ourselves that we get a good idea in our mind and we're like, oh, that's a really good idea. I've been blessed with a really interesting idea. I could write a whole, that could be an amazing book one day. That could be an amazing blog post. This is a really great idea. And then you think to yourself, let me sit on that for a couple of days or a couple weeks and then weeks turn into months and then months turn into years and you never ever write a damn word about the thing how many times has that happened to you if you're honest with yourself i bet if you're a thinking person and you read and write and that's the type of person you are and then many people in this audience are almost everyone has experiences like this and i think actually a lot of people have many i think this is a very widespread problem because i talk to a lot of people who have all of these really good ideas in their mind and they never get around to writing them and it's like why 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 don't you? And when you really drill down at that, I think it, one of the most common mental confusion, I would say harmful, self-limiting beliefs that's very widespread is this illusion, which I call the improvement illusion, that somehow waiting or sitting on it is somehow going to make it better. And this comes in different guises, right? This comes in a few manifestations, let's say. Like one way that people tell themselves this is they say, oh, this is a really good idea. I need to stew on it. And they have this mental model where the longer it sits, the more it's going to develop and the more developed it's going to become. And it's just, no, it doesn't really work like that. Actually, you don't really begin thinking about something until you start writing about it. You see this in other ways as well. Like people will say things to them in their own mind, like, 
I need to wait until I have the time to focus on this. That's the worst thing you could ever tell yourself because you're never gonna have more time to focus on it. The best time to write about an idea that you have is the moment that you get that idea. Because in that moment, your excitement level is at its maximum. It's literally only gonna decrease from there. In the epiphany, in that excitement of the epiphany, there is real motivational energy to actually just sit down for five minutes and just jot the thing down. If you can just do that, you've really done like the hardest part of writing in a way. Obviously, it's hard work to develop things and grow them out over time. But going from nothing to just something is for many people the hardest thing. That's the bottleneck. That's where a lot of people fail to ever get started. And so in that epiphany, when it's exciting, when it's fresh, when you're delighted by the fascinating insight that you've been blessed with for no reason you understand, because that's how these things work, right? It's You can't force insight. You can't force discovery. These are, things are for all intents and purposes, like gifts from God. They just appear for reasons we don't fully understand. We get this epiphany. We get this idea. In that moment where you're so lucky to, you should consider yourself so grateful. You're so lucky to just have this gift from God. In that moment where you're excited and happy and delighted by it, you need to sit down immediately. Or if you're standing, type it into your phone, whatever, or dictate it into your phone, whatever you need to do. You need to get that down into words on paper that moment, because every minute you wait, the chances of you ever doing it are going to decrease, basically. So there are some qualifications to this, or there are some nuance I would add to this. Obviously, you can develop certain ideas over time but you're never going to develop them over time if you don't get them down on paper iteratively and build that habit of getting thoughts and ideas down on paper regularly and just de-stressing the idea you have in your mind around like writing. Because what a lot of people do in their mind is they get a good idea in their mind and they're like, oh, this is such a good idea that they become almost scared of writing it down. They say to themselves like, this is such a good idea. I need one whole week to just think about this and to write about this. That's ridiculous. Most, almost no one has the, no one, almost no one is going to have a week that just comes around where you can just write about your little idea. So if that's how you think about it, what you're really doing is just postponing it forever and you'll never get around to it. And so people are often intimidated by their own ideas, basically. It's, it's, it's unconscious, like people wouldn't think about it in those terms or they wouldn't admit that necessarily, but they get a really good idea. They get excited by it. And then they feel paralyzed by the how good the idea could be because they feel they have to live up to it or they have to, quote unquote, do justice to it. This is like the type of phrasing that people will use in their mind. And, and you just can't think like that because once you even start thinking like that, you're going to psych yourself out. You're going to create all this pressure. And then writing is going to be this heavy, weighty, scary, anxious thing. Whereas like really, folks, at the end of the day, ideas are playthings. And that's the healthiest way to think about them. Like these are just things that come into your mind, they come in and they come out. Even the best idea is just an idea. It's just this thing coming into your mind. Just jot it down. And nothing is so precious. And also, if it's a really good idea, you're going to get it later and you're going to have multiple stabs at it. So the way that I think about it often is like every time that you get a good idea, you're really only getting one angle on it. It's If it's truly a good idea, you're going to come back to it organically later. You're going to have other angles on it. So if it's really a good idea, one attempt to write it down in a quick five-minute flash. It's not like you have to complete the idea. It's, you just have to get down what you in that moment, just whatever angle you have on the idea, jot it down as fast as possible. Because if it's really a good idea, then next week, you're going to see it from a different angle. You're going to get a different glimpse. You're going to catch another piece of it. And then when you get that insight or that epiphany, 
you're going to sit down and you're going to bang that out as well. And then over time, before you know it, after a month or two months or six months or a year, then look, you have a bunch of notes on one idea. You didn't even mean to do it, but you just, that's how a body of work grows. That's how an, an independent intellectual project grows. And these are the types of things we talk about in Indie Thinkers, by the way. This is exactly what Indie Thinkers is all about for what it's worth. And this is why I'm thinking about this stuff and, and why I'm talking about it, because we, we're thinking a lot about these things as a group when we do the cohorts. And so that's my basic TLDR here for you that I want to really leave with you. If you are pursuing a kind of independent intellectual project of any kind, you need to write things down as soon as they come to you, at least a quick note, just because it's an illusion, the idea that you're going to somehow make it better by letting it sit in your mind for weeks. No, you're not. It's not just magically going to get better because you postponed writing it for weeks or months. Realistically, it's just much, much less likely that you'll ever write it at all. And when you do get around to writing it, it's going to be the same as when you first had the idea. So that's my two cents right there. All right, we got a little comment here from Ann Hubbard. Just She says, I just moved to Austin and found your channel and really like the subjects you discuss and wondered if you have any other place that I could contact you sometime to discuss some things. Good question, Ann. Come to the Other Life Meetup. We're doing a little meetup Saturday night. That's tomorrow night, depending on if you're listening to this, depending on when you're listening to this. So we'll do meetups in Austin, like periodically, I think. This is going to be one of the first ones tomorrow night, Saturday, April 9th, but it's open. You can totally come to it. Just go to otherlife.co and look at the last newsletter and just RSVP at the link. I'd love to meet you and say hi. Yeah, but we'll have more other, we'll have other things going on as well if you can't make it. What else we got? All right. I don't see any. I'm not really keeping up with the questions. I just happened to see that one. So that's my little two cents there for you. My little practical suggestion there. Just something that I've thought a lot about in my own case. And the, why the reason I jotted down this idea of the improvement illusion is because I, it hit me how many, how badly I suffer from this illusion. I have the, like, when I am, if I'm really honest with myself, literally every single time that I've had a good idea and I told myself, wow, that's a really good idea. I need to make some time to work on that later. Literally every single time I've never done anything with it. Like 100% of cases, at least that I can remember. Almost anything that I've done that's good, almost everything I've written that's meaningful or valuable or that's accumulated into, I like to think I have a kind of interesting, somewhat coherent, overarching perspective. I only have that because I've jotted down a lot of things at the moment that I had the thought. And that's pretty much how all of my work has evolved over time. And yeah, to this day, I have really great ideas that are in my mind that I think about where I'm like, oh yeah, I could write a whole book about that and I really should. And it would be awesome because it's a really good idea and there's so much there. And to this day, I've never even written a note about it, let alone a book because of the improvement illusion. So yeah, we're all susceptible to it, but I wrote this as partially an attempt to smash this bad habit of my own. And hopefully maybe some of you will find it useful as well. All right. The final thing I want to do is I want to try to figure out what this octopus thing is on. Apparently there's a group on Urbit called an octopus and it has something to do with like images of oct octopi that I'm going to I'm going to try to figure this out. To do so, if you want to play along, just go to the Urbit group, my Urbit group, which is there's a link in the show notes if you want to join the community. I will give you a planet and I'll bring you into the private Urbit group in the open group blog right here. You will see a By the way, the open group blog is kicking off. There's been a ton of posts and really interesting stuff, by the way. So that's cool. Shout out to everyone who's written in it. If you go, you'll find a post called an octopus. All right. So let's see what this says. It says, "Your mission should you choose to accept it, is to generate octopuses. MI6 has connected the Klaus Fuchs 
AI engine to the only known image in existence of the Cordis Corporation logo. We need to generate 500 possible renditions of what Cortopus, Cortopus, Cortis Octopus looks like in various disguises. Should you accept this mission, please head to the following Urbit group. It's called an Octopus. Read the rules and visit the mint. All right, so we're going to do this live and see what's going on here. All right, join all channels, share identity, a community art project, and it says use color descriptors. So anyone can do this, by the way. You should try it with me if you want. All right, let's investigate. I'll increase the size there for you a little bit. All right, two channels. One is called the mint. One is called rules. Let's read the rules. First one. The goal is simple. Make more octopuses. Make them better than the last one. Don't duplicate effort. Give everyone a chance. The rules are as follows. Each player gets three attempts in the mint. After that, their actions will be barred. Players should construct a description of an artistic work in the form of an octopus wearing roller skates on an oil slick in the style of Henry Matisse. Make it good and interesting. Hope that yours will be best. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that we're using the OpenAI Dolly model that was just released. <clears throat> Hope that yours will be the best. Players who have a good description ready should head to the mint and provide the description with crow keywords in the chat. So crow is an urban app that does something. We're going to have to figure this out. Okay. So if you're listening or watching on YouTube right now, do you want to, anyone have any good suggestions for the command that we should give this octopus generator? I'll, I will read the chat and look if you want to I'll submit something. Let's, I'll have to think of something if no one has anything. Okay, each description should return an image up to around 500 in total, three per player as mentioned up to around. However, note these images take a while to load. We'll get dead links at first, but you should be able to get live ones thereafter. Please enjoy, write nice things, and help us create some beautiful art. Okay, let's, let's see how this goes. All right, so I'm going over to the Mint, and okay, nice. Oh, wow. Okay. Wait, so is this? Oh, this is really crazy. So they've set this up so that you can just type in something into this Urbit group chat, and it's going to query the OpenAI API, and then it's going to put it's going to put something in the group chat or maybe they're doing it manually behind the scenes i'm not sure okay i'm just going to do something normal we're going to do let's just do an octopus in the style of who i think i'll just do maybe ivan shishkin the russian realist let's try that unless anyone has any killer suggestions let's i think my baby's waking up okay i have one second <laughs> okay i'm just going for it in the style of ivan shish is this really all there is to it? Let's see. There's no way this is doing it automatically, is it? I guess it's, I would be amazed if it's automatic. We'll see. Okay. Okay. The baby has quieted. So I have a few more minutes. I have this like little surveillance camera <laughs> that you use. It's funny, Mike, because my house is not big. We really don't need this at all. But my wife bought this little surveillance camera. It's, I think it's funny how we, babies basically are like prisoners. We put them in a little baby jail. It's called the crib. We put a little surveillance camera on them. It's called the whatever, something innocent sounding like baby webcam. Oh no, it's actually called, it's called Infant Optics. That's the name of the the surveillance camera company, Infant Optics. It's pretty, it's pretty Foucauldian, honestly. Okay. So it looks like I'm looking at the Urbit group and it looks like an image was generated. Although I don't know what exactly looks like someone else is trying to do the same. Let's see. Okay. I don't know. All right. I think that's it for me tonight. This was a little solo late night live stream. It's 12, 10 AM in Austin, Texas on Saturday, April 9th. If you're in the area, I hope I'll see you at the meetup tomorrow night. 
and um, we'll see what happens with this with this octopus generator. I'll post I'll post the results in the Herbert group later. Yeah, so there's links to everything I mentioned in the show notes. Sign up to the Other Life newsletter at otherlife.co. I'm writing my I share all my best work on the newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, definitely go ahead and uh, make sure that you are. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click the little bell so you get notifications. All that good stuff. We got some killer interviews coming out in the next few days and and weeks. So thanks for hanging out, everyone. This is the Other Life Podcast. I'm Justin Murphy, and I will see you soon in live, in-person, studio podcasts. Keep your eyes out. It's it's a new era for the podcast. Yeah, check the YouTube feeds. Check the podcast feed. There's going to be some cool in-person podcasts coming out. All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging out. As always, I, I am still giving out free Orbit Planets if you want one. If you just go to imperceptible.computer. If you want to join the private community, I would definitely encourage you to. You could do that at imperceptible.country. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. Talk to you later.